Navigating the Storm, episode 20. Baby loss at 17 weeks. Hi, I'm Anna Knight. I'm a life coach aiming to help women and non-binary people move from survival mode into shiny new futures. On this podcast, we talk about some really important topics, opening up conversations that might not normally be had, helping you feel like there's someone else out there who understands what it's like to live your story. My guests might not necessarily be famous, although if there are any famous people listening, do get in touch. But they're people with real life stories to share that we can all learn from, grow from, and just have a wider experience of what's going on in the world. Today my guest is Beth, who's been generous enough to share her story of baby loss. Now, this is a heavy topic and it might be quite a personal one for you, so I'm going to invite you now to choose whether or not this episode is the one for you, because it could be very cathartic and very healing. But just be aware of your own levels today. One in four pregnancies are thought to end in miscarriage. So this is something that a lot of people with uteruses out there have experienced, are currently experiencing. But it's something that we don't often talk about. One of the questions I know that I've had when supporting a loved one who's gone through baby loss is how exactly to support them. What to say, what's helpful and what's really not helpful. So as well as sharing her story, that's one of the things best can speak to in the recording. My guest today is the lovely Beth. So hi Beth. Hi, yeah, my name's Beth. I live in the northeast of England. I am divorced with one son. You've been really generous approaching us for the podcast about what's quite a sensitive topic. So just as a little bit of a disclaimer for people listening, we are going to be talking about baby loss. And if you have personal experience in this area, it might be quite a validating listen, but it might also be hard to hear in some parts. So Beth, could you tell us what your story is, just as much as you're comfortable, around baby loss? Yeah, of course. So this all happened in 2009, quite a long time ago now. I found out I was pregnant at the end of August. I was absolutely thrilled to to be pregnant. It was going to be my first baby. Everyone knows the convention is that you don't tell people until 12 weeks scan. And I, my then husband, we very much abided by that. We told our immediate family after a couple of weeks, but we kept it from everyone else because the thought is that you wouldn't want to tell everyone if if you had a miscarriage. So we very much kept it to ourselves, a very exciting secret that we had. Uh, during sort of this time, from finding out I was pregnant to the first scan, I read a lot of books. I was really thrilled to be pregnant and I was so excited. Loads of my friends had already had babies and I was really excited to be joining those friends in motherhood. I had my first scan in October. 
it was the 12 week scan but the baby measured 11 weeks and four days and everything seemed to be fine at that stage i was really excited to get some photos of the baby it was just really exciting to get to see to see my baby i did wonder at that stage when we had the scan you can see the baby's heartbeat and i did wonder if the heartbeat was as fast as it should be at that stage but everyone seemed okay no one seemed to raise any concern so i didn't mention anything and i still don't know whether that was genuinely a sign that something was wrong it was monday lunchtime when i had the scan and when i got back to work i literally went around the building telling everyone that i worked with that i was pregnant and what my due date was and then i told all my friends and family so everyone knew because i was i was past my scan and everything was okay mm. so i just kind of carried on as normal and then at 16 weeks and 6 days i had a midwife appointment this was in november 2009 at this appointment your midwife listens to hear the baby's heartbeat, which is normally fine. But at this appointment, she tried to listen, but she couldn't find the baby's heartbeat. So she said, everything's probably fine, but I'm just going to send you up to the hospital for a scan just to make sure. It's probably just that the baby's lying somewhere that I can't pick up the heartbeat. So we went up to the hospital and mm -hmm. I was sitting there waiting. Didn't have an appointment, obviously, because we'd just been referred up by the midwife. And I've asked how long it was going to be. They were like, well, they haven't got an appointment, so you just need to wait. But in the end, we got called in and they had the screen so that I couldn't see it. But my then husband could. And they were taking ages and I didn't know what was going on. But I just presumed that everything was okay. And the woman who was doing the scan said, I'm going to stop there. I can't find the heartbeat. And my initial reaction was, well, look harder because it has mm -hmm. to be there. And it took me a little while to kind of realise what she was saying. But obviously I was watching my then husband to see what his reaction was. And I couldn't tell anything from, from him. And it was just really hard. And they, they started trying to give me tissues. And I was like, I will need tissues, but not yet. Because I was just in, in shock because I just didn't expect what was going to happen. And I imagine it's the kind of news that takes a long while to sink in and really seem real. Yeah, absolutely. I will say for me, it probably took the best part of a year to actually sort of really sink in what I'd lost and how painful it was. It was really hard. I mean, that night we were doing an Asda shop for my ex's grandparents. They couldn't get to do their shopping and... My ex was, well, we still need to do that. So we went into Asda and we were walking around like everything was normal. And it was just such a surreal experience. I can still remember how utterly horrendous it seemed to just be walking around Asda like everything was normal and picking up the food that they needed when the whole world had stopped and everyone else was carrying on as normal. But it wasn't normal. Nothing was okay. And it was just, it was one of the most surreal experiences of my entire life. So that's obviously the initial part of your story, Beth. But I'm guessing there's quite a lot that comes after that moment where you find out. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of feels like that should be all that it is. It's just you find out and then that's it. You can kind of move on with your life. But then so many things that come after that. Initially, you kind of have to decide what kind of management you want to go for, you, whether it's surgical management where you have an operation to remove the uh, baby, medical management where you have medication to actually bring on 
the miscarriage or natural where you just wait for it to happen on its own. I ended up going for medical management because it seemed like the best option. But basically all of them, all of your options feel horrendous and they all come with possible problems or side effects. And it's just which of the awful options you have is the one that you want to go for. It's a really hard decision and no one can really help you make it. You have to kind of go with the one that feels right. I had to go to hospital again a couple of days later, kind of prep for what was happening. And then they made a student take my history, but they didn't tell them why I was there. So I was kind of sitting. Yeah, I felt so sorry for them. But even as what I was going through, they were kind of just sitting there excited to kind of be taking a history possibly for the first time and I was like yeah so I had a scan and my babies died and they just looked so utterly heartbroken that I felt more sorry for them than I did for myself in that moment it was awful for them and I hope they do genuinely hope that they got support after that because it was clearly a horrible situation for them so it was just yeah really hard to kind of go through the medical management of it in a ward sort of many other people there no privacy for anyone didn't really feel like there was a great deal of respect for what any of us were going through by the end I was in like a really large amount of pain and if I needed better pain relief that needed a doctor to sign it off and it was a Sunday afternoon so that was going to take a long time and by the time I actually got a doctor to kind of come and uh, see me it was actually I was past the worst of it so I didn't need it anymore and then it sounds stupid in a way but that night before any of this happened we'd been going out to see a band and so I was kind of going through this really awful situation and then as we were getting discharged at about six o'clock on the Sunday night I was like should be going out to see my band now instead I'm going home and everything's awful it just felt like an extra kick in the teeth where I kind of was supposed to be out having fun but instead I was going through the worst grief I've ever been through in my life and obviously because everyone knew had to kind of go through and tell everyone in the world and it was just really difficult I was completely obsessed with getting pregnant again and that didn't happen for a little while and I couldn't accept the fact that it was a bereavement that I'd gone through and that I needed to grieve. I found it really hard going back to work. I was off work for about three months and even that wasn't actually long enough. I ended up having two other periods of sickness from work because I was just trying to skip over the grief and just get on to having another baby. It was just really hard. What I'd lost was the whole future of that person. The things that kind of stuck with me were like, I'm never going to know whether that baby, when they grew up, whether... Their preferred takeout would be would be Chinese or pizza, or what music they would listen to, and all those things. Mm-hmm. And in our society, it's just not really recognised as a true bereavement. Miscarriage is just kind of hidden and skipped over, and it just makes it so much harder when you're going through it. Mm. So a really hidden kind of thing, like you say, that it's not really something we talk about in our society were there things that gave you a bit of relief or helped you manage that bereavement so it took a long time but in the end I found the whole community on the internet to do with baby loss and infertility trying to conceive 
I had a blog at the time. The blog no longer exists, unfortunately. But through having that blog, I could deal with a lot of my pain. I kind of wrote some really raw blog posts about how hard everything was. And through that, found a lot of people online who had gone through most, hardly anyone had gone through anything similar to me. But they'd all lost babies in sort of different ways. And I got solidarity and support and friendship through people in blogging that I didn't find really in my day-to-day life until a lot later, until actually after I'd had my living child, Jay, in groups that I went to after I'd had him, I actually found other people in, in the real world who had lost babies. It was really amazing, really reassuring to find those people. And it was just really sad that I hadn't found those people at the time. Yeah. And it's interesting, like you say, that everyone's stories are different in that situation. I know a couple of the guests we've already had on have also experienced baby loss. And when they've shared a little bit of their story with me, there's there's such difference in the how. But like you say, that commonality and that mutual support that you can get in that environment sounds like actually just such a helpful part of the grieving process to know that there's other people out there who get it who've been through the same yeah there was one woman who put up a blog post where she'd had a chemical pregnancy which is where you have a positive pregnancy test but then a few days later your period starts and you just you're not pregnant anymore it was just for a couple of days uh-huh. and she was obviously finding it really hard because it had hit her really hard because as far as she was concerned she was she was pregnant i didn't reply to her on her blog i sent her a message saying you've lost all these things you're never going to know that person that should have existed and it's not fair and just because it was only for a few days that doesn't diminish the pain that you feel Mm -hmm. and i think she got a few messages along those lines and she said it just made her feel so much better to make her realize that she wasn't alone and people did understand yeah And as you were saying that, I was struck with something that's actually come up quite a lot for me in the past week at work. A lot of the time when we think of things like comparison, we can think of the, oh, that person has the perfect shiny life. But I've noticed recently that there's a shadow side to it as well of comparing is what I've been through valid when you compare it to what someone else has experienced. And people can use that as a way of trying to almost diminish their experiences. So I really love that, like you say, although a very different circumstance, a much shorter time period, the loss for her was still a really profound thing to be experiencing. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't, just because I only had that baby for 17 weeks of pregnancy, that doesn't diminish the pain that I felt when I lost that child. And I still wish that I could have had both that child and my living son. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't ever have happened because even if I, it's technically possible that I could have had that baby and then had this other pregnancy, but he wouldn't have been the same child. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it is. But there's a part of me that's always going to wish that I could have had both of them, no matter how yeah. impossible that was. And in that period where you were processing what had happened... What things that other people did were helpful for you at that time? Um, I guess, was there anything that was less helpful? Yeah, I mean, it did help that 
I mean, obviously everyone knew that I was pregnant because as far as I was concerned, I was past the first scan, so everything was all right. And it meant that I had to tell everyone, which was horrendous and exhausting. But it meant that I didn't have to worry about people speculating what was wrong. I didn't have to worry about people thinking about why she'd been off work all this time. Mm-hmm. What's, what's wrong with her? Didn't have to wonder about that going on behind my back. And that, I was going to say I wouldn't recommend it, but maybe that's not true. Maybe I would recommend it. But yeah, I didn't have to explain why I wasn't myself. For what was helpful, I didn't expect to get cards. I was really shocked when cards started coming through the door. They mostly really, really helped. It helped to feel like people recognised that what I was going through was a genuine bereavement and that it was genuine grief that I was feeling. And I hadn't, it was at a time, yeah, I hadn't really recognised that myself. So it helped me to understand that. There was one card that I got, it was one of the first cards I got, was from someone that, I mean, I didn't work with him, he worked in my building, and I didn't really have anything to do with him. But it was one of the first cards I got, I don't even remember his name, but he sent me a message saying that he and his wife had gone through something very similar, and it was decades ago by that point, but he'd never forgotten, and that he understood the pain that I was going through, and... It meant the absolute world that he would take the time to, to send me that message. And yeah, it just, it really helped. And it did help learning all the people that I knew that had gone through something similar. This is one of the things you find when you go through it. You find all the people who've, who've gone through something similar, who've potentially never told anyone, but who then share it when they know that you're going through the same thing. Mm. Things that didn't help... There was a few, and the first one was actually something where it was such a kind thought, but it just really backfired. Both uh, my work and my ex's work sent flowers to us, which was a lovely thought, and I really appreciated the thought, but flowers died, as flowers do, and Mm. then it just felt like an extra kick that... It's just an extra reminder that, yeah, that everything dies. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard. And I cried when the flowers died. And obviously, that's one of those things where it might help some people. But I know I'm not the only person who did actually have that reaction to getting flowers. So I think if you do want to send flowers, just check with the person that they actually want to receive them. And that's not going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And, like, I had some friendships that really kind of helped and and got deeper going through this. Uh, Not necessarily the people that I thought, but then some friendships didn't survive. And there was one of my friends who, a couple of months after my loss, I found out from Facebook that she was pregnant. And it was just so painful. It felt like such an impersonal way to find out. Mm -hmm. And, like, obviously, people do get pregnant, people do continue having children, but if you've got a friend who's going through baby loss of whatever whatever kind, if you give them just an individual heads up, I would say not on the phone also, because you don't want people to have to kind of manage the reaction while they're actually speaking to you. But just send them an email or a text or something and say, look, I need to tell you this, I just wanted to give you a heads up 
before I announce it. And the people that understood that were the people that I found it easiest to deal with. There was one of my friends who actually had a baby literally the day before we found out that our baby had died. And she, once she heard, she sent me a message saying, I completely understand if I'm the last person that you want to hear from, but I'm so sorry. I can't believe what you're going through. And it just really helped because, yeah, on one level, she was the last person I wanted to hear from, but it just meant so much that she understood that and she still took the time to, to reach out when she'd literally just had a newborn baby and had her world turned upside down in, in the much better way. Mm. It's reminding me of something that I do with a couple of my close friends. When they're going through big emotional unsettlement, whether that's grief or whatever, that sending of a message with no pressure to reply, just oh, the, yeah, definitely. I'm here and I love you and you don't need to say anything back if you can't just know I love you. Like, that for me has been really like you say powerful because I don't necessarily want to talk to those people when I've been going through some of the storms I've experienced but just knowing that they're there and that they're still touching base it can mean such a lot to know that they're still there yeah it makes all the difference and so this loss was in 2009 yeah we're now in 2021 there's been (sighs) A fair amount of time has passed since then. I wonder if you could speak a little to how grief changes over time and how that goes as you go through the years since a baby loss. Yeah, so obviously at first it's just all-consuming and you can't get away from it. And in time it does get easier to live with and it does lesson possibly isn't the right word but it does get easier to kind of carry on with your day-to-day life and um, deal with people being pregnant and babies being born and being happy about that for people even if there is a little bit of you that's kind of sad for for the baby that you've lost but I did come across an analogy it was a long time after my loss but it still really helped it was shared on Twitter by someone called Lauren Herschel who had learned about it from her doctor and it's a ball and a button so you imagine a box that contains a ball and a button and the button when you press that you're hit by the pain of grief and in the immediate time after your bereavement the ball in the box is absolutely huge and basically any time it moves it hits the button and you're overwhelmed by the pain of grief and everything that you've lost. It makes it really hard to carry on with your day-to-day life. Anything like going to work, making your dinner, anything, it just makes it so hard to survive. Everything's a reminder of your loss and everything hurts unbearably at times. And then over time, as you process what you've lost and as time goes on, the ball starts to shrink So as the ball moves around the box, it doesn't hit the button as many times as it did before. But when it does get pressed, when the ball does hit the button, it still hurts just as much as it did. And there are times, 10, 11 years later, when it still hurts just as much to think of the baby that I didn't have, that I'll I'll never know. But it's not as often as it was. My son knows that I was pregnant before I had him as well. I don't ever want it to be something that's that's hidden mm-hmm. because I think that does just make it harder. So it helps to be able to say to him, if I'm sad, oh, I'm just that, yeah, just sad about this baby that I lost. Mm-hmm. And that helps. But yeah, it's a while since 
um, I've been kind of completely consumed by grief, but it does still it does still happen, and it is still painful. Mm. And you mentioned your second child, your son, and what I really loved was how open you've been with him, so you can have that level of explanation of when the grief button has been pressed again, what's going on. Yeah, I don't want him to ever sort of think that it's because he's done something wrong. I want him to understand that there's things going on that kind of cause pain. Children are more perceptive than we think a lot of the time. They know when something's not right. And it just seems right to be open with him about what's going on. And the, it's not anything that he's done and it's not his responsibility to fix it, but it's just something that I'm very sad about. Mm-hmm. And like, how did you breach that the first time? Um, he was fairly young, so it was very light touch, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Just before you were born, I had another baby in my tummy, but that baby died. And... He was quite young, so he didn't really have any follow-up questions, but I've given him the opportunity to ask over the years if he has got anything else. But I think with a lot of these things, the earlier you start, the easier it is, because then they can just... Like, if you just give them a tiny bit of information at first, you can just then sort of remind them of what you've said previously... And just they can ask whatever questions is appropriate for the age and stage that they're at and and go from there. Mm. Yeah. I think the other thing, you get to you get to deal with it how you want to deal with it. If you want to kind of grieve openly and have some kind of physical memorial to your child, or if you want to have a service in whatever COVID safe way that we can do that for your friends and family, you get to do that. Mm-hmm. we don't really have any model for that I know in other societies there are kind of models for, for doing this kind of thing but just because we don't have it traditionally doesn't that like you do get to do that if that's what you want to do but also if you want to keep your grief private I mean I would like I would always recommend telling whoever you need to tell to get the support but if you don't want to kind of tell the rest of everyone then that's obviously fine or if you've kind of got past the stage where you thought it was safe to tell people and you've told people but then have to say actually I've lost the baby you also get to say I really don't want to talk about it and you deserve to to have that respected Mm. well I think that's a super lovely message to leave us on Beth thank you so much for coming on for sharing your story so generously it's it's been really moving for me to hear so it's greatly appreciated thank you i always like having the opportunity to to talk about this because i don't get to talk about the baby that i lost as much as as i would like so it's been nice to have that space to do so Such a a moving story from Beth there. I don't have any wisdom to add to this. I think Beth said everything that needed to be said. If you're going through this at the moment, please do reach out to some of the organisations that can support you with that, such as the Sands Charity or Bliss, a service for babies that are born premature or very sick. 
If you know people who've experienced baby loss, please feel free to share this episode with them in the hopes that it might make them feel a little more connected to that bigger network that Beth talked about. Next week, my guest is Maddie Rose Robinson. Maddie Rose is a yoga teacher who really believes in inclusive yoga, that yoga is for all bodies, all sizes, all shapes, and all abilities. We're going to be talking about her journey into self-healing, why looking after ourselves is so important, particularly when we're going through hard times. We'll talk about boundaries, about yoga, and I'm particularly excited to share with you about her new festival. She is linking yoga up with social justice movements. Navigating the Storm is produced by Mo Robinson and Anna Knight and hosted by Anna Knight.